0: Good afternoon, America, and welcome to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio, and happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. We're going to dive into history class today, yeah, because we're going to give some honor to Martin Luther King Jr., and we're going to do it really in the best way that we know how, and that's to, to talk about him. That's to talk about his history, to talk about what he stood for. Uh, to get into some actual true history today and that's uh, i'm looking forward to it that's going to be exciting i'm not sure which segment uh, i want to give it a a goodly amount of time but we're going to dive into that also happy political season kickoff day i mean is that what is that what we're calling this it is the uh it's the official kickoff of of the presidential race the iowa caucus the Hawkeye-Cawkeye, as Rush used to call it. uh I miss Rush so much. Hawkeye-Cawkeye. So today is the day of the Iowa caucus. So, uh, you know, I've had a couple of people ask me, what is the difference between a caucus and a primary? Because if you will remember, when this whole Colorado thing broke out, and the, the court said, yeah, Trump can't be on the ballot. And uh, the Republican Party said, okay, I mean, that's fine. We'll just do a caucus. I mean, if, you know, they, they were going to go through the channels, uh, working its way up to the Supreme Court. But if it get, you know, if if they lost, ultimately, they said, if, you know, in essence, if they lose this, they won't have a primary. They will go to a caucus system, much like Iowa. So what is a caucus and what's the difference between a caucus and a and a primary? Well, the main difference is the a primary is overseen um, by the state government. That's the point of the primary. A caucus, however, is not overseen by the state government. It's overseen by the state party, and it doesn't require voting at polling locations. You don't go to a, to a a, a a polling location, and cast your vote. It's really interesting, uh, you know, how this works. And the Republican Party will hold its caucus tonight, 7 p.m. Republicans will gather in small groups at neighborhood locations all over the state, such as schools, churches, union halls, wherever. They're going to gather at these locations where representatives will make speeches on behalf of their favorite candidate. There's about 1700 precincts spread across the state of Iowa. Votes are tallied by secret ballot and delegates to the county convention are selected. The results are sent to the state party and announced when the tallies are complete, typically amazingly enough within a few hours. And it's, um, it's quite a process, but again, it's it's conducted by the state party. So the, the Republican Party of the state, they conduct the caucus, and it's not done by the state government. The Democrats, the Iowa Democrats, are separately choosing their candidate, you guessed it, entirely by mail-in ballot. Uh, and then they're going to release their results on March 5th super tuesday so it's going to take them you know i don't know 6 weeks to count their votes because they have to make sure that you know joe biden gets all the votes that he needs and of course that's why it's done entirely by mail in ballot because they have to make sure that you know joe is going to Joe's going to be their guy dean how dare you accuse the democrats of cheating i know i know there is by the way there is a fantastic article i'm going to take this this moment to promote this article on americaoutloud.news, there is this article called, um, where did it go? I don't want to destroy the name. And uh, I want to make sure I get it right. But it's an article about, um, ultimately, the article is called Democracy. It's just simply that. It's simply called Democracy. And uh, the author is Dr. Ted Noel and uh it you can find this on the on the front page of News. go to this article and read it and he 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 delves in a little bit between uh, a a republic and a democracy but he really sp- spends the majority of the time on voter fraud and he doesn't again he doesn't go into a lot of specific individual detail but it's just this overview this highlight of of all of these examples of voter fraud that took place in 2020 promoted by guess who? The Democrats. Bum, bum, bum. Dean. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just folks, listen, it's the truth. It, we're not gonna, we're not going to uh dance around it here. We're not gonna pretend like it didn't happen, but it did. It's the truth. It happened. Uh, so it's just ironic that the Iowa Democrats are going to choose their candidate entirely by mail-in ballot. And, you know, Dr. Noel discusses the travesty of what took place uh, via the mail-in ballot. It's a fantastic article. Go to AmericaOutloud.news. You'll find it there on the homepage. Uh, you know, scroll down a little bit. Again, it's it's just called Democracy. And it's a quick read it is it's just uh, but it's fantastic so here we are you know we're at the oh uh, we're at the kickoff of the of the political presidential season now i know it's not the kickoff i mean once we start having debates and and campaigns you know that's really the kickoff but this this makes it official the hawkeye cockeye makes it official and so in honor of rush that's how we'll uh that's how we will refer to it. So uh we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. May the best man or woman win. It's gonna be man. It's gonna be the best man. Uh, you know, it's really down to President Trump and who finishes second. That's what it is. It's it's gonna see who's gonna finish second out of the three people that are still standing, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, and uh Ron DeSantis. And so we'll see. We'll see which of those three come out on top. Uh, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's just an exciting time. It's a fun time. It's its a time for us to, I think, it's a time for us to to pay attention and to learn something. You know what? Speaking of learning something, I have a clip here because I, I feel like, and I, I've said this really all last week, we were talking about last week, the assault on classical education and we highlighted what's happening in Cincinnati with Cincinnati Classical and uh, and that article that came out in the Washington Post and the Cincinnati paper picked it up uh, and this this you know public school group is upset that Cincinnati Classical received this you know grant from the department of ed and they accuse Cincinnati Classical of of fudging the numbers And ultimately, what they're upset about is the actual learning that's taking place at Cincinnati Classical. Early literacy is number one in the state among all the charter schools. Uh, And uh, they're number four in, I think, the southwest region, including all the public schools. And this is after their first year. This is after year one. Now, here's my prediction. Once you get into year two, year three, year four, year five, Cincinnati Classical will begin to be <laughs> number one <laughs> amongst all the, you know, charters and, and public schools, period, throughout the entire state. We're not just going to take a region. That's that's my prediction. Because there's actual learning that happens. There's actual learning that takes place. Last week, I, I you know, I just had this... This running theme, um, really, it came from a quote I had read a few days earlier from Michelangelo, where he said, you know, again, I'm going to paraphrase this quote, you know, beauty doesn't cause so much pain as when we fail to hear it and see it. And, and you know, my, my, my whole point and premise was, is that, you know, public schools are, this is happening in public schools on purpose, or they are withholding. Beauty from our students. There's a failure to hear and see beauty, and that's where the pain comes in. And the students don't realize that the pain, you know, in the moment, but the pain comes from their ignorance of it. The ignorance of the thing is what brings the pain. And learning is just learning is so important. It's um, just this attitude of, of learning that is being lost in our education system this this love of learning it is going by the wayside uh, there we we as a society are choosing a love of entertainment over a love of learning i mean it's it, it's happening i mean think about it how often i mean if it, it, if you had two choices in front of you, and one was to read a book that necessarily wasn't a book that was going to entertain you, all right, a book where you would learn something, versus, say, I don't know, you know, scrolling through funny videos on YouTube or Instagram or, you know, TikTok, if you're using TikTok, which if you are, you shouldn't be. If you have TikTok on your phone, delete it immediately, I mean I tell the kids all the time you know they'll talk about this TikTok video and I'll say okay number 1 delete TikTok from your from your phone. Well how can I watch the TikTok video exactly? Delete TikTok from your phone. You know we we've got these two choices that are ever before us. Are we going to choose to be entertained or are we going to you know choose to learn something? And it's I, I'm really simplifying it here. I get that because there's moments where you, you want to be entertained. You know, I, I get it. We all need entertainment in our lives. I think we do anyway. But I think we need also need learning in our lives. Uh, and I, I don't think learning needs to stop at the end of the 12th grade or the end of the baccalaureate or the end of the master's degree, the end of the doctor's degree, the doctorate. Learning needs to be continual. It needs to be ongoing we all need to be engaged in it uh, you know so people say what's the difference between a caucus and a primary and you know they want someone else to to give them the answer well you know study it out discover it for yourself learn about it on your own do it look it up and 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 figure it out this is you know it's this is kind of 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 this whole idea that that we're losing and it's this idea of a love of learning uh it, it, Charlie Kirk was I don't know he he goes to these events where you know he's on college campuses all over the country and this particular uh campus he's at um I'm, I'm not sure where he is but this 15 year old stands up he introduces himself as a 15-year-old, and he says, he's got this question for Charlie. He says, do you have any tips on how to prepare myself with facts and information to take on not only the left, but the evil influence that this world consistently promotes? All right, so he's, he's, he's posing this question to Charlie, and I'm going to play the clip for you that where, you know, Charlie gives his answer. Uh, The answer, in my opinion, is wonderful. But the question is, it's an important question. You know, he says, do you have any tips on how I can prepare myself with facts and information to take on not only the left, but the evil, the evil that's in this world, the evil influence that this world consistently promotes? All right, so the this 15-year-old wants facts, and he wants information, facts and information. And Charlie Kirk's answer d- does not necessarily tell him. You know, Charlie doesn't say, well, okay, here's how you get the facts, right? You, you take a topic, you know, and then you go to Google, and you get all the facts, or you get all the information. On this topic that you can possibly get, that's not Charlie's answer. He do, he doesn't answer that way. His answer uh, is brilliant, and and it's not brilliant. Well, it it's brilliant because it's true. That, that, that's why it's brilliant. It's, his answer is brilliant because it's true, and also because it's something that we're losing in this country. It's something that we are becoming ignorant of in this country. All right, I'm up against the break. We will pick up Charlie's clip on the other side, as well as this topic in more detail and perhaps a history class. You're listening to the Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio.
1: Today's high-stress, on-the-go lifestyle makes it hard to stay heart-healthy. Lifestyle changes like exercise and diet are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support three aspects of heart health. Cholesterol, blood pressure, and triglycerides with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients. You would need to take 13 pills to get the same amount of nutrients in each gel pack. And these great tasting gels come in a small packet. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Get heart healthy. Go to healthycell.com and use code OutLoud for 25% off your first order. Healthycell.com, code out loud for 25% off. The
2: Natural Colon Cleanse. It's the ultimate digestive tune-up with oxy powder.
0: Welcome back to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud talk radio. We are happy to have you on board. You can find us here Monday through Friday at the 2 p.m. Eastern time slot. You can listen on AmericaOutloud.news. And and hopefully you've had an opportunity to go to AmericaOutloud.news and peruse the site, the organization, of the site uh, is new, it's fantastic, it looks great. Uh, So we're just happy to have you on board. Thank you for joining us. We are talking about a love of learning and uh, here on Hawkeye, Cawkeye Day and Martin Luther King Jr. Day, uh, there are some opportunities for us to engage in learning. And unfortunately in America, in education in this country, and, and not just K-12 or even higher ed. It's almost this, this prevailing sweeping phenomenon that uh entertainment's trumping the day. Now, again, I'm not dissing on entertainment because I love to be entertained, love to watch a good movie, love to read a good entertaining book. You know, I like to scroll through Instagram videos and 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 laugh, but that cannot replace a love for learning there is this insatiable just oh i just have this thirst this quest this desire to to learn stuff and i hope that that i hope we're not missing that in education Uh, and and i think that our focus needs to be on instilling that in our children and it leads me to charlie kirk's answer Again, the question from this 15-year-old is, do you have any tips on how to prepare myself with facts and information to take on not only the left, but the evil influence that this world consistently promotes? This 15-year-old wants facts and information. And here's what uh, Charlie Kirk's answer is. Here's his reply. Let's take a listen.
1: The best advice I could give is take learning very seriously. And that's what I do, is two hours a day I'm listening to podcasts, taking Hillsdale online courses, you know, reading books, whatever it takes. Learn. Take learning seriously. If you think you've learned enough, you're wrong. More podcasts, more books. Be inquisitive. Find people that know more than you and ask them questions. Why do you believe that? Find people that have wisdom, not just knowledge. So knowledge is practical knowledge. Wisdom is the knowledge of things that don't change. Wisdom is eternal knowledge. What is love? What is mercy? Are human beings naturally good? Should you forgive murder? Should you forgive killing? These are things that don't change. The United States Constitution was not written on knowledge. It was written on wisdom because it was not written for the times. It was written to stand the test of time. The problem with colleges is they have tons of knowledge, how to make a vaccine, you know, how to put a rocket into space and no wisdom.
0: So I love the answer because the the kid is asking for facts and information. And Charlie says, you know, instead of just looking for facts, looking for information, take learning seriously. Engage in learning. You know, Charlie said, you know, two hours a day, I set aside for learning. I'm either reading, I'm listening to a podcast, I'm taking uh, a Hillsdale course, which, by the way, uh, you know what? If If you just focused on the Hillsdale courses, my friends you know there are there's a plethora there's a litany of hillsdale courses available that are free and if you just you know go through them you know find one that that's of interest to you there's a great one on children's literature you know there's there's some on history there's some on the constitution there's you know some on theology there's 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 one that I want to take I haven't taken yet on chemistry <laughs> I'm just like yes this one is going to be great you know chemistry isn't my thing but yet it's very intriguing to me i'm just i'm intrigued by you know by how it all works and i want to learn about it and so i'm taking me a chemistry course you know just just learn take learning seriously take the bull of learning by the horns and go after it and, and so he's telling us to this this 15 year old he says if you think you've learned enough you're wrong go back read another book Listen to another podcast, take another Hillsdale video. Uh, you know, there, there's if once you think you're done, then you're done. Once you feel like that learning is over, then it's over. And that's what I tell the kids at Waterbrook, you know, the seniors. Yeah, I just, I just drill it into their heads you are not done learning. It doesn't matter if you go to college or not, you're not done learning. You know, some of them want to go to college. Some of them want to go into trades. You know, some of them want to be entrepreneurs. They have ideas. They have things that they want to dive into. They've got their whole lives in front of them. And, and I I tell them, my message to them is fine. You know, do these things. Don't stop learning, though. Develop and have this, this love for learning. Charlie tells the kids, that the kid here, he says, be inquisitive. Be inquisitive. Ask questions. Find people uh, that know more than you and ask them questions. You know, go after it. Find out the answers to things. You know, if you're you're wondering, what's the difference between a caucus and a primary? Uh, You know, find out. Find out about it. Ask somebody. Do some research. You know, take this desire that you have you know, don't just wonder about it and then, you know, be done with it and not do anything to pursue an answer. When you have a, a wonder about something that comes into your head, take that as an opportunity. Take that as an open door. Take that as an invitation from God to invest in your mental capacity. Accept that invite. You know, God is inviting you into a depth of knowledge, oh boy, I tell you what, one of these days we are going to dive into a history class on George Washington Carver, because that man, holy cow, he had these thoughts and these ideas, and he took them as invites from God to to dive into the depths and and the mysteries of nature. Man, I'm telling you, that's going to be a fantastic history class. I hope that happens sooner than later. I'm going to have to uh, plan and prepare because that's going to be a good one. All right, back to Charlie Kirk. Yeah, you know, he says, find out people that have wisdom, not just knowledge. Find people that have wisdom and not just knowledge. He says, the Constitution was written by and through wisdom. Wasn't written by knowledge. It was it was written through wisdom. And then, of course, he gets cut off at the end, you know. But he's saying this is really what colleges promote. They promote knowledge. You know, they've got this 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 vast array of knowledge. But nowadays, colleges lack the instruction of wisdom. They lack the wisdom. And last week, I was reading an, an article to you. I don't have that article in front of me but the author was talking about uh he's a college professor and he he was just talking about how he he wanted to to instill wisdom he wanted to impart wisdom on his students so they he started using uh for a textbook the meditations of marcus aurelius which are essentially you know his aurelius's journal writings and one of the one of the the writings or the notes that this professor pointed out to his students or or one that they read is where marcus aurelius you know said today i'm going to meet people that are are going to be i don't remember what the exact list was but they're going to they're going to be mean to me they're going to be rude to me they're going to i'm paraphrasing this these weren't you know the list but you know you get my drift they're they're going to do you know say things about me they're going to be you know evil in, in a sense and Aurelia says, "I just have to remind myself that these people are ignorant of what is right and what is wrong. They're ignorant of what is good and what is evil. There's an ignorance here, and I've got to understand that that, that there's an ignorance here." Last night, Cindy and I were watching this movie, and one of the characters she's asked on how she's treated. You know, how are the people treating you? And, she, and her reply was, well, um, and, and by the way, the people did not treat her well, that they, they treated her miserably. And she didn't say, oh, they're mean to me, they're rude to me, they, they're they horrible to me. Her reply was, you know what, they, they treat me in, in, in the best way that they know how, which is a, was a polite way of saying they're ignorant of what is right and wrong. They're ignorant of a proper way to treat someone. This is, they're treating me in the only way they know how. Uh, she didn't land base them, and I, granted, it's just a movie. But but I thought, oh Marcus Aurelius, and she, you know, she was raised in character. This character in the movie was raised in character. She was raised in in virtue. She was raised in values, which is to say, she was raised and taught in wisdom rather than knowledge. Wisdom was in, imparted in her, and granted. I shouldn't say rather than. In addition to. In addition to, and and this is where education has become lacking in America, where it's full of knowledge, education, you know, about how to do things, but the wisdom, the wisdom then becomes lacking, and it shouldn't be one or the other. The two need to uh, exist m- mutually. They need to walk together. Wisdom and knowledge is something that should be walking hand in hand. As a matter of fact, Solomon and the Book of Proverbs links them together. He uh, he says, "Yeah, they they are walking hand in hand, and they do so by the fear of the Lord." Proverbs one and seven says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 9 and 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is insight. So, in, in both of these verses, it's, it's interesting. You know, Solomon says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, you know, but then he also includes wisdom in the second half. And in the next verse, he says, 9 and 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But then in the second half of that verse, he includes knowledge. But, you know, knowledge and wisdom need to walk hand in hand, especially in our education. They need to walk hand in hand. The Hebrew word for knowledge, knowledge and wisdom, the two Hebrew words here. Uh, the the root word the Hebrew wor- root word for knowledge means to know or to ascertain by seeing I mean it's it's the scientific method uh, you know you're going to observe you're going to look at something and you're going to gain knowledge about it but by by observing you know by 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 looking at nature you're going to learn things about nature you know this this whole idea of of observing it is the scientific method and it's how we become knowledgeable about stuff we put things under the microscope and we learn about them by observing you know we watch people in different social situations and we learn about them by observing this is this is knowledge but wisdom wisdom is just a little different the hebrew root word for wisdom means to be wise in mind word and action. It 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 almost implies you know taking the knowledge that you have but 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 using it in a particular way in your in your thoughts, in your words and in your deeds. So there's this verse, there's this story in the book of Exodus in chapter one. It says now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Now the story of Joseph, he sold into slavery. He, um, you know, his 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 brothers sell him, and he 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 finds his his way in, into the palace. I mean, it's I'm not going to get into the details of the story. You can read it. You can learn about it if you don't know it. But he finds himself into the palace. And the pharaoh, who is the king of Egypt, makes Joseph the second in command. And it's this very interesting providential process. Joseph climbs the ladder, and he ends up saving the country. You know, famine comes. You know, Joseph, you know, has these ideas and plans how they can prepare for the coming famine. You know, his plans work everybody around them, the nations in the country around them end up coming to Egypt because Egypt is the place with all the food. And so Joseph, not only does he save the day, but he really just adds wealth to Egypt. So in Exodus chapter 1, verse 8, it says, now there arose a new king over Egypt who didn't know Joseph. Now, all of Joseph's brothers and family came to him through the famine. And so, their, their family begin to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. I mean, Joseph had 11 brothers. So there's a lot of potential here for this family to grow. They lived in a particular part of Egypt, and they were treated nicely by the king who knew Joseph and knew his family. However, a new king comes, a new king arises. He doesn't know Joseph. He doesn't have a relationship with Joseph. He doesn't have a relationship with, with Joseph's family. And so verse 9 of Exodus chapter 1 says, And he said to his people, or to his counselors, to his advisors, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we are. They're more and they're mightier. Now, there wasn't more of them in number, you know, but there was this this prevailing. I mean, they, they all, they were in unity. They were in lockstep. You know, they weren't mightier in the sense that they had all the equipment and all, you know, but they were, uh, they were in lockstep with one another. And the king said, they're more and they're mightier than us. Verse 10, he said, um, whoops, verse 10, he said, come on, let us deal wisely with them. All right. So here's this word wisdom. Let's deal wisely with them. Let's, let's be wise in our thoughts, in our words, and in our actions. All right. So, and being wise, we have two choices. We have we we have two we have a robe that's forked before us. And there was a robe that was forked before this king. He had two choices before him. He said, Come, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And it come to pass that. When there falls out any war, they join also with our enemies and fight against us. Hmm. Okay, because we don't want them to multiply to the point that if, if we're attacked, the people here that live in our land join with our enemies. All right, so we have to be wise towards them in our thoughts, in our words, and in our actions. And so you're at the fork in the road. And your two decisions are, are right versus wrong, good versus evil. Those are the, those are the two that the road forks, and you can you're going to take wisdom in one of the two ways. You're going to be wise in your thoughts and your words and actions. Either one way for the good, or the other way for the evil. Those are your only two choices. And what does the Pharaoh do here? What does the king do? Verse eleven says, "Therefore, they did set over them, you know, the, the, the Israelites. They set over them taskmasters, task masters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasured cities, Pithom and Ramses. They made them slaves. They enslaved them because up up to this point." they weren't slaves they they came and go as they as they pleased they they lived in freedom but this pharaoh using his wisdom because he was worried that if they were ever attacked if egypt is ever attacked this people that are not egyptians that live in the land would rise up with the enemy so pharaoh made them slaves he put them under his thumb he chose the the evil his wisdom was entrenched in evil now, had his wisdom been entrenched in good, he would, instead of enslaving them, he would have endured them. He would have he would have embraced them. He would have shown them love. He would have shown them kindness. He would have taken them in as his own. And he would have said, you know, we want you to be one with us. We want unity. We want, uh, you know, we we want you on our side we want to embrace you we want to show you love but but he did not think that would work he did not think that they would respond in kind and so instead he thought ah oh, the best way to get around this is to put them under our thumb all right so this is the difference between wisdom and knowledge wisdom is is knowing how to handle a situation knowing how to think about a situation, knowing how to speak about a situation. You know, the, the the movie that I mentioned last night, the character, you know, when she was asked, you know, how was she treated? she She had a, a choice to speak about that situation. And she used her wisdom to speak about the individuals who maybe weren't treating her well, but she didn't say that. Instead, she said treating me as, as best as they know how. All right, so, so wisdom is we know how to think about a thing, we know what to say about a thing, we know how to act accordingly about a thing. And this is the difference between wisdom and knowledge, yet both of them are rooted in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is also the beginning of knowledge. Our education cannot be one or the other. No, it's got to be united in both. It's got to be united in both. It's the only way around it. Uh, and, and I think that's what we're lacking. And I, I think we're, we're, we're missing that, that wisdom aspect. You know, in education, we learn a lot about a, a lot of things. But do we know how to handle ourselves in certain situations? Martin Luther King had wisdom. He had knowledge and he had wisdom because he knew how to handle himself in certain situations. All right, let's take a break here because we got to talk about Martin Luther King. We got to go to his history class. We're going to take advantage of this segue. All right, we'll pick it up on the other side. You're listening to The Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio.
1: America Out Loud. News is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud talk radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity.
2: This is Jodi O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system becomes less efficient. Pure, with premium ingredients, Global Healing's Pure Plant Protein offers 20 grams of protein per scoop, and it's the perfect way to maintain and build lean muscle while indulging yourself. It combines enzymes and probiotics to maximize nutrient absorption, improving digestion, and your gut health. Available in vanilla and chocolate flavors, elevate your protein consumption while supporting your overall wellness with pure plant protein. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally.
0: Welcome back to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud talk radio, and we're going into history class. We're going to take advantage of that segue from the last segment on wisdom and knowledge. And we're going to dive into Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, 1983, Republican President Ronald Reagan signed the bill, making this, the third Monday in January, a holiday, a federal holiday in honor of a Baptist pastor by the name of Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., who was born January 15th. 1929. So this Monday happens to fall on his on his birthday. Uh, and're and we're, we're, we're here to honor him and we're going to honor him because King had wisdom and King had knowledge and the, the the wisdom being he understood how to be wise in his thinking, in his words and in his actions. How did this come to him? How did he just naturally understand this? How did, you know, um well, he was educated. Uh, you know, he went to um he went to high school in Atlanta, Georgia. When he left high school, he went to Atlanta Baptist College, uh, which actually was renamed uh I think it was renamed Morehouse, wasn't it? Morehouse College, yeah, it was renamed after Henry Lyman Morehouse, who was the secretary of the American Baptist Home Mission Society. And then, when he leaves Morehouse, uh, he goes to Crozer Theological Seminary. And then, in nineteen fifty-four, he becomes the pastor of Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama. So just ten years out of high school, and here he is—he's um, pastoring this Baptist church in Alabama, but 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 he read and not only did he did he receive his education from schooling, but there were individuals who influenced him. Uh, he was influenced deeply by uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer, who was the German church leader who stood up to Hitler's National Socialist Workers Party. Bonhoeffer stood up to the Nazis and um King was influenced by him. Henry David Thoreau wrote in *Civil Disobedience* in 1849. King was influenced by Thoreau. Uh, he was influenced by by Gandhi. Matter of fact, he went he went to India. Uh, I think in the 1950s at some point, 1959. King goes to India, and when when he get when he comes home, he says, "Since being in India, I am more convinced than ever before." that the method of nonviolent resistance is the most potent weapon available to oppressed people and their struggle for justice and humanity. So he was influenced by, by Gandhi, but really, uh, who influenced him, uh, I don't I don't know uh, the most, I don't know that I want to say the most, but who influenced him a great deal was the namesake of his high school. He went to Booker T. Washington High School. In, in Atlanta from 1942 to 44. And he was influenced greatly by Booker T. Washington. Booker T. Washington was a, an amazing man. Talk about a man full of wisdom. Let me just segue in, into Booker T. Washington for a minute. In 1901, he wrote a book called Up From Slavery. As a matter of fact, right, Charlie Kirk talked about, you know, find a book, you know, read a book. Read a book, listen to podcasts, take Hillsdale online courses. Maybe in that order, maybe not. One of the books you should read is Up From Slavery from Booker T. Washington, 1901. This was a a required reading in my middle school. I remember reading it as part of my literature class. It should be required reading in every school. As a matter of fact, I'm going to check our reading list at Waterbrook and make sure Up From Slavery is on that list. Uh, the things that he says in Up From Slavery influenced King a great deal. Um, some of the things that, that Booker T. Washington wrote, in the sight of God, there was no color line. And we want to cultivate a spirit that will make us forget that there is such a line anyway. That's Booker T. Washington. That's the man who influenced King. There is no color line in the sight of God. Uh, And this is the gospel that that King preached, which I'll reference that in a minute. Here's what uh, Booker T wrote in Up From Slavery. He says, I learned this lesson from General Samuel Chapman Armstrong and resolved that I would permit no man, no matter what his color might be, to narrow and degrade my soul by making me hate him. Uh, Chapman led the 8th U.S. Colored Troops during the Civil War, by the way, Uh, and um, Washington attended the Hampton Institute, which was founded by uh, General Samuel Armstrong Chapman. And he says these are one of the lessons that uh, the general taught him, that he should resolve that he would permit no man, no matter what his color he would not permit that man to narrow and degrade his soul by making him hate him. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's degrading to our soul when we give somebody the power to a, that 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 can that tells us to to, to hate somebody else. That is th- those are powerful words. Talk about wisdom. Talk about using and, and being wise in your thoughts. In your words and in your actions, that you wouldn't, you would permit no man, no matter what his color might be, to narrow and degrade your soul by making you hate him. Oh, just such wisdom! Uh, Booker T. Washington continues. He says, "With God's help, I believe that I have completely rid myself of any ill feeling toward the southern white man for any wrong that he may have inflicted upon my race." I am made to feel just as happy now when I'm rendering service to Southern white men as when the service is rendered to a member of my own race. I pity from the bottom of my heart any individual who is so unfortunate as to get into the habit of holding race prejudice. And and this was the man who influenced Dr. King. Uh, He says... Booker says, the man is unwise who does not cultivate in every manly way the friendship and goodwill of his next-door neighbor, whether he be black or white. He said, great men cultivate love. Only little men cherish a spirit of hatred. Uh, that, that's, this is just stuff that wisdom is made of right here. And, and this is this is who Martin Luther King was reading. This is who he was allowing to influence his heart and his mind, was Booker T. Washington. Uh, At one point, Washington says, keep your hand in that of the master, walk daily by his side, so that you may lead others into the realms of true happiness, where a religion of hate, which poisons both body and soul, will be unknown. Having in its place the golden rule, which is the Jesus way of life, and that will reign supreme, the Jesus way. That's what Booker T. Washington said. He said, choose the golden rule way, which is the Jesus way. Jesus was, uh, his teachings was was one of forgiveness. The Jesus way was one of forgiveness. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, after this manner, therefore pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. For if you forgive men that trespass, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men of their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And then uh, there's this parable that Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 18. Uh, Then the master summoned him and declared, You wicked servant, I forgave all your debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had on you? So, when this parable, this servant comes to the master, you know, the servant owed this master a, a large sum of money, and the servant begged for forgiveness, and the master said, yep, you're forgiven, go about your way. Then the servant found somebody that owed him money, and it wasn't anywhere close to the amount of money he owed to the master. But the servant took this other person and said, you better pay me everything you owe me. And until you do, I'm throwing you in debtor's prison. And he did that. And so now the the master finds him and says, you wicked servant, I forgave all your debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should repay all that he owed. That is how my heavenly father will treat each of you. Unless you forgive your brothers from your heart, that's what Jesus said, and this is what you know. Booker T. Washington, uh, this is what he preached. This is this is what this is what he went after, and this is the man who uh, influenced Martin Luther King Jr. So here we are, Martin Luther King Jr. in nineteen fifty four. He's the pastor of this church in Alabama. 1955. Uh, he goes to um, he goes to India, and you know he he experiences some things there. He learns about Gandhi and about mm-hmm. you know Gandhi's uh, nonviolent struggle, his nonviolent resistance, and King says absolutely. He says, uh, Mahatma Gandhi was the first person in human history to lift the ethic of love of Jesus Christ above mere interaction between individuals and make it into a powerful and effective social force on a large scale. And that's what King was endeavoring to do. He was endeavoring to take the love of Jesus Christ and do what Gandhi did, make it into a powerful and effective social force on a large scale. And there was a a night in 1956 uh, that King applied this. He put it into action. He just didn't preach it with his words. All right. It wasn't wisdom just only with thought and word, but it was wisdom and action. 1956, uh, it's a cold winter night, Montgomery, Alabama. King has left his wife his baby at home. He's going to attend a meeting at a nearby church. While at the meeting, someone rushes in and says, your house has been bombed. Uh, King raced home. He saw that the bomb had exploded on his front porch. By now, the house was full of people. He pushed his way inside and found his family to be safe. Outside, however, trouble was stirring. An angry crowd was gathering and wanted revenge. They wanted revenge against whoever had done this horrible, heinous evil. Matter of fact, several people carried guns in the crowd. They've got broken bottles in the crowd. They're hurling insults at police as they're arriving to the house. The situation was about to spin out of control until Martin Luther King Jr. steps onto his front porch. Silence falls over the crowd. King says in a calm voice, my family is all right. I want you to go home and put down your weapons. He told them violence would not solve their problems. It would only harm their cause. And then he reminded them we must meet hate with love. And then uh, something amazing out in in the crowd happened. Someone hollered, amen. And then someone else hollered, God bless you. And then other people begin to holler in kind. And the crowd, which moments ago had been on the verge of violence, begins to drift apart. And people begin to go home. And a night that had been heading toward chaos comes to a quiet close. Uneasy, but a quiet close. And this is how Dr. King spent his life. He met adversity with courage and love. And 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 he met it with the love of Christ. This was um this is who he was. Matter of fact, there's there's um at one point in 1963, this is what he writes, it's in April. He says, As the apostle Paul carried the gospel of Jesus Christ, so am I compelled to carry the gospel. One day the South will know that when these disinherited children of God sat down at lunch counters, they were standing up for what is best in the American dream and for the most sacred values in our Judeo-Christian heritage. So Martin Luther King believed that his message, what he was preaching, was that of the gospel. It was the gospel of Christ. And he says that they're standing up for what is best in the American dream. Well, it's the gospel of Christ, but what is it? Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 and 29. I'm running out of time. I wish I had more time to read it, but in this, I'll summarize these verses. Paul is saying, look, there's, there's not Jew, there's not Greek, there's not slave, there's not free, there's not male, there's not female. We are all one in Christ and since we're one in Christ we have this this inheritance we're all children of Abraham we have the exact same inheritance and promise that was promised to Abraham if we're all in Christ we have it and and that's what king said he said one day the south will know that when these disinherited children of of God he was referring to to black people as as being disinherited but yet the gospel is we all have this inheritance so let's all come under this inheritance. And King says, this is the best in the American dream. And he says, it is the most sacred value in our Judeo Christian heritage. It was the gospel. And King believed that the gospel was unity. And this is what he wanted he wanted unity. And this is, there's so much wisdom in this the wisdom of unity. And this wisdom we're lacking in education today. There is there's so much more here. There's so much more in what King's what King said and what he did. And I'm up against it and I'm just I'm fresh out of time. But maybe one of these days we need to just take a history class and focus on Martin Luther King, just the whole shebang. Uh, Because what this man stood for is amazing and beautiful and wise. All right, but that's all the time we have for today, America. Thank you for joining me on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Encourage your friends and family to get on the Dean's List. Let's unite to renovate the age.